0: Okay, welcome everybody to this new weekly Shir. I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're actually going to be starting Lakut next week. We're going to read a little bit inside. I wanted to do a kind of introduction to the Sefer uh, and to Breslov and Rabbi Nachman. And the truth be told, you could spend many years of introduction to the Sefer itself. Many introductions to who Rabbi Nachman was, to have Svarim just written stories of Rebbe Nachman's life and, perfect, uh, so there's stories about his life and you could learn the stories, you Mm -hmm. could darshan the stories, you could explain them and learn about him, but tonight really I wanted to do, read some things inside, the class is going to be an inside share also because I always feel that uh, you have a product that sells itself, Mm -hmm. so to read things inside as well as uh, talk about the who, what, when, why, and where. The Svarim, for those who don't know, for those who do know, then something you know already. And to read a little bit, talk about the lineage, the history over here. And uh, we'll get into all that. And then to learn a little bit about Rabbi Nachman, I know in the Smicha Chavar program that I go to here, Rabbi Yad is very into the uh, Parsha connection. Mm. So hopefully we'll get to a Parsha connection also, because it is Thursday night. Uh, for myself, I'm very happy about this year because I've been working on the safer for many years already, probably for the last 13 or 14 years. And they, uh, it's enhanced my life in so many ways. You know, it's a challenging safer, as Rav Tzaddik is often quoted saying that really you should learn the like a Tosvos. And uh, they actually found someone has in print Rav Tzaddik's Lukut Apparently, it's all marked up and edged up. Many people don't know this as well that Rav Tzaddik. Only in a few places. Only in a few yeah, places. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. Nice. I would love to see it, actually. No, I can actually send it. I think I still have it. So Cool. So they, uh, other, uh, people don't know this as well. The people that do know this knew this. People that don't know it. That uh, also, Rabbi Nachman, one of the things that we have in his handwriting was called Sefer Aleph Bay. is also known as Sefer Amidos. And we'll get to each Sefer as we wind up using them as it relates to the shir. But Rav Sadik actually wrote them, it was just snippets, like one-liners. You know, a full Sefer of one-liners. And Rav Sadik was the one who actually sourced them all. He went through and he was a genius and he put the mymercomas to everything that, everything the, that he said. Uh, talk a little bit about the svarim over here and we'll talk about also how they were made. Uh, one is the main one, if you could say there's a main one is Lakuta Uh There's two sections in Lukutamaran. It was one, the first section is known as the first section and that was printed during uh, Rabbi Nachman's lifetime the second section is known as Tinyana, which was printed after Rabbi Nachman's lifetime. Rabbi Nachman himself didn't really write anything. Everything was written uh, by his student, Rebbe As I like to say, as the Gemara says, v'tan du of armalu. It's better to have two than one. Uh, you take them both together. So we're gonna be learning uh, all the svarim as it relates to the Torahs that we're learning. We're gonna learn from Lakuta uh, HaLacha, Sichas Aran, Sipori and these are all different stories. And when we get to each Sefer, in itself we'll do a little bit more of an introduction, but it's very important to state emphatically that Rabbi Nachman said himself, if not for Reb Nussin, not a single word of my Torahs would have survived, which means uh, he felt that Reb Nussin was the, and he said this expressly, he felt that Reb Nussin was the perfect student, uh, the perfect keli, the perfect vessel to receive his Torah, and he was very, very happy. He said he longed to have such a student like this, and uh, as it could be said, the uh, Pnei, the Gemara says, Pnei uh, Moshe was the Pnei Achama, Pnei Yeshua was the Pnei Alavanna. So it certainly could be said over here, as the moon reflects only the light of its sun, of the sun, Yoshua was a direct reflection of Moshe Rabenu. And so too, over here, it's understood that Reb Nassin himself was a reflection of embodiment of really what Reb Nachman wanted. It's actually brought down, there's an amazing book, in English, I definitely recommend everyone to uh, read it. It's called Through Fire and Water, written by Reb Chaim Kramer, which is the life story of Reb Nassim in story form. It's like an amazing story. And uh, what they bring over there, something Rabbi Nachman said, was that a a tzaddik is like a signet ring, that uh, when you look at it straight, you really can't read what it says in the signet ring. Only when it imprints itself, then you can see how it's embossed. So it's the same thing only by looking at the students of a uh, Rebbe Nachman, you could see the embossment, the imprint that the tzaddik had on his students. So that's a little bit on uh, the sfarim, and again, once we take each sefer as it goes, we'll, I'll talk a little bit about the history of that sefer and how it was written. Also, again, uh, some of the Torahs in Lukutim Aran are written Lashon Rabenuzal. It's actually written on the text itself uh, in the beginning of it. So when it says Lashem Rabbeinu Zaw, it means those are the exact words that Rabbi Nachman used. And Rabbi Nassim was a stenographer, and he wrote down word for word exactly. Some of them don't say Lashem Rabbeinu Zaw, and what that means either, what Rabbi Nussin remembered Rabbi Nachman said, and a lot of times what Rabbi Nachman did, he'd write it up, he'd show Rabbi Nachman the notes, Rabbi Nachman would make certain adjustments, or tell him to go back and rewrite it, and Rabbi Nussin would again write it until he got it. It's okay. A... Uh, so that's, uh, that's a little bit about that. Now I wanted to start over here, before we get into the lineage and we get into Rabbi Nachman's life, I wanted to start uh, a little bit just to introduce the idea over here that we're going to be connecting to a tzaddik, and certainly when you learn Torah from a tzaddik, from any tzaddik, you're actually connecting to that person. So if you could, uh, this sheet over here, it's a photostat of Likute Aran. let me just open it up here for myself, it is... 12, I'm picking up in the middle, if you could see where it says a, uh, uh, it's, it's this page, you guys Sing can see it, uh, yeah, they weren't stapled in order, but give props to Tani who printed them out for me, uh, I'm just going to read, you see the first word online is yesh, okay, it says, Ukisha Adam Lomid, and again, this is inside shear, so I want to be focusing, hopefully, it will be text based. Okay. You see it? Uh, so, this is uh, Torah 12 in Lakutim Aran. Ukisha Adam Lomid, and this is just the idea of that uh, learning about the Tzaddik, learning the Torahs, you're connecting to that person himself. It's not just like, you know. A nice idea, like if you learn math, do you connect to Einstein? Do you connect to the math, mathematician? When you learn Torah, you're connecting to the essence of that person. And I'm just going to read this inside. When a person learns with purity any din or psak, any halacha, that a tana or a tzaddik had, through this it, uh, is the aspect of kissing. And he's going to explain. Neshik in <speaking> histabkos rucha berucha. in kissing implies the connection of two spirits. <speaking and kissing> that this psak that the Tana uh, spoke is his is his words. <speaking and the dibur the a person's speech is their life force. Like it says, Hashem breathed life into person. So the targumum over there says that he put into him this. Uh, power of speech. Okay. Uh, and he explains that this, Ruach Mamal, is the Torah Shabbat Peh. When a person speaks Torah, it's the Torah Shabbat Peh, the Torah that's in the person's mouth. That has to do with the larger context of the lesson over here that I'm not going into now. Nimsa Nimse shevashah uh, she mechadish tana ezer chidish u'medaber zeh chidish. So it comes out at the time when a tana is mechadish and speaks a certain chidish. Zeh hadibor Ba'at baatz mohi b'chinas haTorah shabal pesha chidish ki misham motzir k'moshit karsuf teitzer eretz nefesh chaya. Nimse ach shel kishin lo dumesach chidish hazeh. So it comes out. That when you learn this chiddush u'machnisin halimo the chiddush betocha and now you're learning that chiddush that that Tana said nimse shemidabkin ruach shemidabkin ruach haTzadik shechiddush zeh zeh right? It comes out that you're connecting to the ruach of that Sadik, who actually was machadish who spoke it in ruach mamalala. Hainu hadibor halom eze hachiddush apsha v'zos istabchu ruach beruach nikkren nishiken. So you're Right, this tzaddik, any tzaddik, a tana, any sefer you learn had a chiddush. Right, you learn Amar Abaye. Abaye had a chiddush. He spoke it with his ruach, with his words. And now you're directly learning his words. You're saying his words, and those words that you're saying, you're actually connecting to Abaye. You're connecting. It's like you're kissing Abaye. Right. You learn. You're learning any sefer like this. Not only Lukut Maran, but any Gemara, any P'sak any Halacha, anything in Shulchan Aruch, you're actually connecting to the essence of that person who was Mechadesh A nimsa, Kishlo made a Hatnayim, right? So it comes out that when you learn a certain Halacha, that the Tnayim were Mechadesh. So it connects the spirit of the Tana with the spirit of the person learning. It's as if you're kissing yourself with the Tana. Uh, okay, we're gonna, I'm just going to skip a few lines. Uh, first one of the line is shikane. You see that? So it says, sadikim shikfar hochu Kisha'anu Lomdin Torah Sayin, even Sadiqim who left this world, it's a little bit mysterious why he says that because that was really implied in the previous statement because he was talking about Tanayim. So now he's closer and says, even a Tzaddik that left this world, a. uh, when we learn their Torah, <speaking in Hebrew> So we, our spirit connects with their spirit, and this is indeed what Chazal say. This famous gemara in Yevamos, sifso dovavos And this is what it says about David Melech that when you say something in David Melech's name, so his lips move in the caver. So what is Rabbi Nachman explaining over here? So it's an amazing shot. First of all, why is David Melech's lips moving in the caver? Because anytime something says something from Tehillim or anything over in his name, you're connecting with the spirit of David. It's like you're kissing David. So David's lips keep moving as if he's kissing back. So you're learning from David Melech. You're learning from a tzaddik. You're learning from a Tana. You're saying things over in their name. So you're having your ruach is connecting with their ruach. Your spirit is connecting with their spirit. And as if you're kissing that Tana, it's as if you're kissing that tzaddik. So this is really amazing. <laughs> a, uh, and also, so after this I wanted to go into the lineage. Because really all our learning of the safer and any safer that we're learning in general, like we're saying over here, you're really connecting to the essence of that person. So it's important that we understand that it's not just, oh, you learn a nice idea, you learn a nice thing, a vortlach, this and that, and that's, that's all good, you know. But really, to go a step deeper, is that you're really connecting to the spirit of the person who said whatever it says. And that goes for any any aspect of Torah, right? You learn Torah, it's like you're connecting to Hashem, right? You learn the Chumash, connecting to Moshe Rabbeinu who brought down the Torah. Uh, and in that vein, to con- now to go into a little bit of the lineage and some stories about Rabbi Nachman and about uh, Lakutam Aran in general also. Uh, so... I'm going to start with uh, the Baal Shem Tov, and we'll go through the lineage over here. We'll see how Rabbi Nachman was the great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. It's a little bit of history. I'm not really a historian, but I think this is important things. And as well, each one of these little pratim over here really stories within stories. So I'm not going to get into every detail, every story, because you could be here for a long time hearing the amazing stories over here. But I, uh, so I wanted to start like this. Rebu Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. Right, uh, Rabbi. Let's start like this. Rabbi Nachman lived in the year uh, 1772 to 1810. He died at the age of 38. Uh, he was the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, and we'll just go top down a little bit through the lineage how it works out. Uh, the Baal Shem Tov uh, had a, two kids. He had a daughter named Udol or Adol or Adele, uh, and he had a son Svi. Svi was actually a businessman. Uh, he said, Sviz, Neshama has nothing to mean Takin. It's totally fine. And he wasn't, wasn't as Indian to be Osik with Chasidin in the way, I mean, it wasn't like the permutation like it is now. It was just totally different. It was just Baal Shem Tov and a few chevra. Uh But either way, uh, he had a daughter, Adel, or Odo. Uh, Odo had three kids, uh, three very famous kids, and they're all buried in Mezhbuzh in the same tzion as the Baal Shem Tov. Uh, One is the Dagomach and Ephraim as they call the Degel, right? The Degel Ephraim. The other is Rav Baruch And the third is Feige. We're going to see that. Feige was, Rabbi Nachman ben Feige was Rabbi Nachman's uh, mother. Uh, but again, the Degel Ephraim was the, I think it was the, uh, one of the first Hasidic Hasfarim ever printed. I think the Toldos Yaakov Yosef was really the first one, but the Degel is actually one of the main sources that we have for the Torahs of the Baal Shem Tov. And they, uh, so again, Odol had the Delgamach and Ephraim, Fagan and Rabarach and Mezbosh, and had uh, two kids, Rabbi Nachman, and they had a son Yisrael. Uh, Yisrael had passed away, it's a whole story, but again, I'm not going into that. Now, a little bit, some more genealogy over here. Uh, Rabbi Nachman had a student uh, called Nachman uh, uh, Nachman who Rabbi Nachman was named after because that was his grandfather, but we'll talk about the lineage over here. Nachman Meharadenker he's actually buried in the old cemetery in Tavaria, for those that have been there. Uh, there's a section for the Talmud HaBal Shem. There's also a section for the Talmud Agra. And they, uh, uh HaRdenker was buried there towards the end of his life. Again, it's a story how he got there. We always want to go there. It just the Baal Shem Tov always told him no. Finally, one day he was in the Tzion after the Baal Shem Tov died and he was talking uh, to the Baal Shem Tov, and the Baal Shem Tov said, now you could go. And he went there and he lived out his life there. Uh, and again, these are there's tons of stories surrounding each one of these relationships and who each person was. Uh, so Nachman Hardenka had a son named Simcha. Okay. Uh, Nachman Hardenka's wife—I don't know her name. Uh, that's the truth. But I don't, i not just don't know her name. Mrs. Hardenka. Mrs. Mahardenka, right? <laughs> uh, so they had a kid named Simcha. Okay. Uh, she died. His mother, Nachman Hardenka's wife, died. Thirty days after childbirth, and this is a whole story in its own right. Again, not going into it for time's sake. Uh, after this year, you can ask me. I'll go into all the stories. Okay, and they, uh, so they had a son Simcha. Since Simcha's mother died, Nachman Hardenka's mother died. Uh, he didn't really know what to do exactly. He was always doing missions for the. He was a student of the Baal Shem Toh, Nachman Hardenka, and. He didn't exactly know what to do, and it was getting harder on him as the kid was getting older. So the Baal Shem Tov said, you should, uh, Udol, my daughter, uh, will raise your son Simcha. So you see that Simcha, the father of Rabbi Nachman, right, uh, married, is going to marry Fega, the daughter of Udol. So they were, grew up actually in the same house as each other. Everyone with me? Is it Clear? Yeah, so they grew up in the in the same house as each other, and there are, uh, and then they married each other. Simcha, right? Rabbi Nachman ben Feig ben Simcha. They married each other, and they they had Nachman, Rabbi Nachman, who was named after his grandfather, uh, Nachman Hardinker. Uh, there's a story over here which is definitely worth noting: uh, the story of Rabbi Nachman's birth. Uh, the other things we're going to read inside but this I'm saying outside uh, the story of Rebnachim's birth is basically as follows uh, She w- and it's very unusual that we have such uh, details, I don't know if we have this by any other tzaddik per se such uh, specific details about what happened surrounding that tzaddik's birth but Nussin, as I was saying before Nussin wrote every single thing down like he was like a beast, you know? Anything that he heard from Rabbi Nachman, any fact, any history, anything at all, he could glean, he would ask people that were around, anything he could find out, he found out, and he wrote it down, so that's why we know this. Uh, the story of the birth is as follows, that a uh, it, it happened one time that, uh, again, Simcha was married to Fega, and Simcha was, he was known as a tzaddik nister, and he would go around, do all sorts of secret missions. What do tzaddik nishterim do? What missions do they do? I don't know. But he was doing something, as I like to say. If I knew that, I'd be one of them. <laughs> and a, uh, he was on submission, and it was the time for Feige to go to the mikveh. And she was longing very, very much for her husband to come back, but she had no idea when he was going to return. And it was Friday night. This was on a Friday, and Friday night was going to be Uh, her leil tefillah and she didn't know if she should go to the mikvah or not and it's explained that she had very very strong desires to be with her husband and longing a very very strong longing and it wasn't like nowadays where you could just whatsapp someone and you could just find out where they are right and she went into her grandfather's tzion uh, where the balshem tov was buried as was custom in those days and she was davening and longing and longing and longing and with her ruach kodesh she heard from her davening that they uh, that uh, it was coming closer to Shabbos, she you know what to do, and she heard with the ruach HaKodesh, your husband's already in the Tchum Shabbos, you could go to the Mikveh. And she went to the Mikveh that night, and it's explained that there was a tremendous amount of longing uh, from the husband, and from Simcha, and from Feige, and it says that night they conceived the neshama of Rabbi Nachman, and nine months later, uh, Rabbi Nachman was born. So you see already that there was, there was tremendous, tremendous amount of longing, it's explained over here, and desire to unite with her husband and it was through this longing that Rabbi Nachman, one of his whole things was teaching a Jew how to long and to come close to Hashem. So it could be said that precisely because you know this kind of embodies, this story a little bit embodies who he was and how he was able to bring out the longings and the desires of uh, every Jew. Amazing story, amazing myself. uh, So now I want to talk a little bit about Rabbi Nachman himself. Uh, This is going to be, I'm going to read here from a uh, uh, the safer called I'm going to read a little bit from okay, let's find where this is over here in these photocopies. This is a safer called uh, 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 Shichvei Haran. Shichvei Haran is a lot of the stories about Rabbi Nachman and his avoda that he did when he was a young child. Uh, some of it we'll read inside. The, again, there's a lots of different things over here. We'll go first to, first to Yud. That's the front page over here. Interestingly, I'll just say two, uh, two tidbits outside, that interestingly, uh, it says that uh, when he was a young boy, he, would, uh, he, would, he wanted to de- totally, totally destroy all his desires for Achilleh. And at a young boy, I think at the age of six or seven, he would, already try, he, he would swallow food whole in order not to get any pleasure from food. This was something that the Godolador, who was Prabhupada Pinchas at that time that he was referring to, something only did at the end of his life. So already at a, young, at a young age, he was able to do these incredible things. Later in life, though, later in life, he said if he knew how great, one hour of it, he, he completely destroyed his body. He died of tuberculosis, and uh, they have uh, pretty vicious accounts of him throwing up blood and the whole story of him dying and leaving this world. But a uh, he said, had I known or how much the sigufim and all these damage, desc- Reb Nussin describes in one place to look uh, with uh, red paeus and uh, scraggly beard, long scraggly yeah. beard, and look sickly, like skinny and scrawny. Uh, In his younger years, he damaged his body from all the sigufim. But in later years, he said, had I known what one hour of talking to Hashem and personal prayer would do, I would never have uh, done any of those things at all. That one hour of personal prayer is greater than all the sigufim, all the things, serving Hashem with shitas, is greater than all the things. Another thing that he recounts over here is that one year he fasted from week to week 18 times in one year. So I heard Reb Chaim Kramer say, that a, uh, if you figure out the weeks that you're not he, he says basically it was almost a whole year if you figure out the times that you're not allowed to fast because it's Rosh Chodesh and it's this Yontiv and it's that Yontiv and you know there's lots of times during the years that you can't fast so a, uh, you'd see it only be like 19 or 20, 20 weeks available or something, something along those lines so he fasted 18 times in one year he would go without eating at all But Rav stresses, in all these stories, it's not to think that this was a great neshama, that he was born great, it's not to think that he was born better than you, or anything like that, but it's because he worked so hard in Avonah Hashem, he worked hard, 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 and Rav emphasizes that over and over again, that because he worked so hard, that he wasn't born with superhuman strengths, and in fact, we're going to see now, uh, and throughout our learning, exactly how much he struggled. He struggled a tremendous, a tremendous amount, and everything came through hardships uh, and suffering. So I wanted to read Inside Yud over here. If you have this, and this is from Uh, uh And this, is, this piece is talking about how he reached uh, his high levels. And each one of these things are ideas and things and practices, and we'll get more into them as we learn more. Okay. Ach ikra And this is, again, Reb recording the Avoda of Rabbi Nachman when he was a young age and later on in life as well. Okay. Yud in the first page. Uh, ach, once we start doing this, hopefully I'll be able to get the sheets more organized and there'll be an order. You know. The main thing that he was Zohe the main thing of his service of God that he merited to reach his levels that he did was only through tfilus, supplications, requesting and having different sorts of prayers to Hashem. That he was accustomed himself, he was regular, to pray to Hashem and pour himself out in front of Hashem with all different sorts of words and appeasements and request that Hashem should draw him close to uh serving God. The Ikr Masha and the main thing that helped him, Hayuatfilushis Palobalushan Ashkenaz. Uh the main thing that helped him were the Tfilus that he in the lashin Ashkenaz. In those days it was Yiddish, but what this means in his regular vernacular tongue that he would speak. So for us that would be English, right? Speaking to God in your own words. Uh, that he would constantly, he would accustom himself to find a place where people wouldn't go. He would uh, articulate himself to Hashem in his regular vernacular, the hainu b'loshon ashkenaz and he would constantly uh, supplicate himself in front of God with all different sorts of excuses and articulations. That'd be fitting that Hashem should draw him close to serving him. And he would do this for many days. He'd spend years doing this. He would also hide himself under the roof, uh, where in a certain under a certain place in a roof, who was a plate sounds like a roof of a barn where they would store tevin. Uh, straw. And he'd scream quietly in a whisper that Hashem should bring him close. So he would say he would say very simply, "God, draw me close. Hashem, bring me close. Hashem, bring me close." Just speak to Hashem. In fact, uh, there was one time Reb uh There was there was a certain Rosh Hashiva that was showing off his students to Reb and he said. Uh, I have a student that finished this amount, and I have a student that finished that amount. And Rav Nussin said, I have a student, Rav Nachman Tolchiner, who, it was not Rav Nachman, a student of Rav Nussin, who said, he said, uh, I have a student, Rav Nachman Tolchiner, who could say Sholem" a thousand times in a row. That was his comeback. <laughs> Which means, every time you say God, right? Hashem, God. If we really understood that, another place in Chaim Aran, Rabbi Nachman says, to tell you the truth, I think the word God is good enough. The rest is just for everyone else. You know, if we really understood God, Rabbon right, and to speak to God and what it means every time we say, Baruch At Hashem. If we really understood Hashem, we would have so much longing and desire to come close to Hashem. Going uh, right there. Right? Any sefer that's found in front of us that we have that incorporates tefilas that he would not put down, right? There was nothing that no tefila they didn't say. Hey tehillim, whether was tehillim, the sefer shari uh, tzion, or the sefer sharitim. But the sidurum g'dolum, the tefilas that are printed in the larger siddurim, different types of tefilas. Even the tefilas that were written in Yiddish. Uh, he he would he would constantly say these. And there's more things that he would say. And uh, he would say all these things even in even in one shot in one sitting. He would also be regular to. To say to Hillel, but what he would do is he would say only the psukim, he kind of edited it, he would say only the psukim that have to do with bakasha, requests, and screaming to Hashem. Vaya psukim elu. Right, so he would just, in his mind, he had everything so organized that he would just pull out the psukim and say the psukim that had to do with bakasha and sa'aka, screaming out. And the rest he wouldn't say. And he would also say to Hillem uh, himself. But excluding excluding the the standardized tefillahs that were already written, the main thing was the tefillahs that he would say between himself. Right, what he would have regularly say in his own language to talk to God. Right, so the main thing is is the tefillah that he would say. Hashem bring me close. Hashem help me with this. Hashem help me with that. Hashem, thank you, right? Thank you, Hashem. And the main thing is that he worked so hard in his avoda of tefillah. This is something, as Rabbeinassin ends over here, I heard from his mouth explicitly. And we're certainly going to learn more about his personal prayer, how that works, a advice, practical, us in doing it, because it's funny, we dive in three times a day, but when's the last time you actually sat there and no cell phone, no safe or anything, and just spoke to God? Hashem, my name's Shia, nice to meet you. It's been a long time since we've spoken. Uh, I find this odd speaking to you because I've never spoken to you before. I, what am I doing when I'm davening? I don't know, that's a different story, right? But, you know, Hashem, you know what's going on in my life. Help me with this, help me with that. It doesn't have to be helpful. help. Thank you, right? And there's a higher level of right. Bring down your glory, bring down your fear, bring the lula. It's not only Bakashas. A, uh, from anything big to little, anything at all, and we're going to, certainly something we're going to talk about more. One of the first times Reb Nassin, uh met Reb Nachman, among the first times, Reb Nussin didn't have any shoelaces. So uh, Reb Nachman said to Reb Nussin, did you daven for the shoelaces? And Reb Nussin was like, the shoelaces? like I can bother God over my shoelaces. So Reb Nachman said, even the shoelaces, even the shoelaces, anything, there's nothing... There's nothing too small to "quote unquote" bother Hashem. It's not a bother to Hashem, and I think that's part of the problem that we look at it as we're bothering God, you know. And we again, we're going to develop all these things as we as we learn more. Uh, I wanted to go to Yudalid now. It's on the next page. This over here speaks about again how how a uh, difficult it was for him, and how things came. It wasn't just, oh, born in Neshama, you know, that he worked, worked, worked significantly hard and to encourage us, to teach us, to also work hard in Avodah Hashem. Okay. again in Shekvei Sh- Sh- Aran. Lasos, Hashem Me'od. Any little thing that he wanted to do in serving God was very, very hard for him. V'chod Minei Kveida With every difficulty in the world. In the beginning, it was very, very difficult for him to sit alone, isolated by himself for many hours to uh, serve God. This was so difficult for him initially. This, this caused mine when I first started practicing his body this many years ago. It was like even just to sit there. Like for five minutes. Very difficult. You know, you think about five minutes. Those very hard. You start sitting, imagine hours. I remember I used to try to force myself to sit there even just for five minutes. Okay, just sit there for five minutes. Don't touch your phone. Don't do anything. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't fall asleep. You know, don't get distracted. Oh, no, something very important comes all of a sudden. Now you're hungry, you know. And just to even sit there for five minutes by yourself alone. No cell phone. Nothing. No safer. Nothing. You'll find that it's extremely difficult to do, and here Rabbi Nachman said that he would force. He, it was very, very hard for him to sit hours to do this, but yet he forced himself to do it. But he would force himself a lot. And he broke his desire again. You see how much he worked at it. And many hours a day, he would be osik and his this. And also the avoda that he had to do every day, the regular things, right? Putting tefillin, getting up, going to davening, just being a regular Jew, right? This was also very difficult. It was so hard. Parenthetically, I get so much chizuk from this, for myself, because if it was hard for him, you know, imagine me, you know, imagine everyone else, like... These are just the regular struggles that people go through and here you see someone who gives validation to all the struggles the difficulties of just everyday halacha every day doing what you're supposed to be doing being at the right place at the right time you know and you saw how much he struggled with it and this is something that we all struggle with also right and this is part of the chizuk that he was giving us showing yes you struggle I struggle it's normal right Everything was hard for him. He couldn't carry the yoke at all because of the weightiness and the heaviness. It was so difficult for him. And only through this advice, this is how he was able to carry the yoke of serving God. Right, people feel that, that it's crushing. It's crushing. Every halacha, you have to this, that. Every so many people feel that way, mm-hmm. that it's so difficult to just keep regular halacha, right? To just serve Hashem. You know, the, there's so many things that you have to do, and so many people feel the weightiness, the yoke of halacha. It's so many times it drives people away. They say, "Forget it. I don't need it. I'm out of here." And here, this is something Rabbi Nachman struggled with, and he's going to give practical advice, and he's going to say how he personally dealt with it. Uh, the rock. It was only through this advice. This is how he was able to do it. Right? Every day he would sit and think, I only have today. And he wouldn't look at yesterday or any day in the future. I only have today. Therefore, when he only looked at this moment, right, this moment he was able to carry the weightiness of, right, we think yesterday, oh, how much time did I waste? I'm such a sinner. I can never do it. Tomorrow, I think I can do it for the rest of my life. Right? An hour from now, who knows what's going to be an hour from it. right now? Right now, I could do. Everyone could serve God right now. Everyone could do something right now. Uh, for one day, any person could take on whatever they wanted. Any avoda. Certainly, for us, it means for an hour, for a minute. You know, for ten seconds, you could you could hop You could do something. You could take on a avoda. You could talk to God for five minutes. How much time? You know, I for myself looking at YouTube, looking at this, looking at that, before, you know, a half hour disappeared, right? You talk to Hashem for five minutes. But you look at it, oh, it's so hard, I can't, this, that, we get all confused. Hayom, right now. Maakershurayom Echa bilvad, right now you could do it. Ukeshagama voda shall zehayom and when you would finish the uh voda for this day, Azai beyomcharas chazibalovoda shall oseyomharas. So when he finished today, so next day he would do the same the very same thing the next day. Bekhain Nahkamir, and this he would constantly do. Shalaya Khosh Biday Kim Osayom Lavad. He would only think of now ali and through this hayayaq and through this he was able to carry the burden of serving god that was very very hard for him ubulozet without this law hayallah law lisa al'awl he would not be able to carry the burden at all because he did so much Avodah Hashem in every day with all sorts of Avodah. Again, emphasizing it was with hardships, it was with effort, it was not just born into it. It was with a tremendous amount of hardships and work. Everything was with tircha and, uh, you know, rolling up your sleeve, so to speak, and weightiness. Right? Until he was only able to accomplish what he accomplished through this advice. He only would think of this day, the you know, that from this moment onwards. Uh, practically speaking, you know, I work as a social worker, as a clinical social worker in private practice. And you see that when you book up the past with thought, you become depressed. When you book up the future with your thinking, you become worried. You become anxious. But if you just take it moment by moment, right, right now, then you can do okay. As they say, there's no gift like the present, right? And they, uh, you take it moment by moment, little by little. You go one, you know, as I like to say, uh, you know, if you if you were driving from here to Muncie in the middle of the night, all you would need is headlights that show you a hundred feet in the distance, and every hundred feet you go, right? Every day I'm going to learn a Mishnah a day. I'm going to learn one halach in Ketzush a day. I'm going to try to be a better person. I'm going to call my mother once a day. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to be a nicer boss. I'm going to, you know, one thing, just for today. Have to be a whole thing forever. That already forever. Wait a minute, it's gonna be very hard. One day I could do. One hour I could do. One minute I could do. Then I'll do the next minute. And you'll go little by little by little by little. And you'll see Pruta Pruta Mistarv. Every little bit uh adds up. Incredible. Incredible. Hey uh I wanted to read a little bit. We'll end with uh these two things cause uh it's gonna be Marv uh, shortly I wanted to read a little bit over here from Chaim Aran a uh, Shin Mem Gimel Shin Mem Gimel and then after this we'll end with the Parsha connection oh yeah Parsha connection okay uh, Shin Mem Gimel this is in Chaim this is another Sefer where Rab Nussin recorded different things that Rabbi Nachman said different uh, avodas, different behaviors uh, and this is more specifically about mm-hmm. Lekut Maran, because this is the introduction, Amar, he said, <laughs> If this Sefer never would have came out into the world, <laughs> this Sefer called Lekut <laughs> Maran, I would have done something else. <laughs> because I already had the desire in me many times to write condensed halacha on the entire Shulchan Aruch. <laughs> to explain every halacha according in its condensed form. That's what he wanted, right? If the Harad didn't came out, I would have wrote halachas, right? or to explain how the poskim reached their conclusion. Ach But since this sefer came out into the world, lo in I'm not going to have a, uh, that, those halachas pesuchas. So he's saying, my, my original intent was to write halacha in condensed form, right? And we're going to learn him. He's very big into learning Shulchan Aruch. A, uh, parenthetically, say the Chavit Chaim like Breslav or Chasidim. Why? Because uh, they were very makbid on halacha and davening Nates and everything like that. So he used to, when people wanted to be makar to Chasidis, he used to say, oh, you should go to Breslav. He was very into the halacha Shabbat. Okay. Just to be clear, he wrote the Lukutim Aran. This isn't Lukut Ma'aran, when I'm reading from now. This is from Lukut Ma'aran. Who's writing this? This is Reb Nussin writing what Rebbe Nachman said. Amar, he said. Okay, he knew there was a sefer out there. there yeah, the, the first, the first chilek, We mentioned this in the beginning. The first chayle of Lukut Ma'aran was printed during Rebbe Nachman's lifetime. So he definitely knew. He definitely knew about it. Yeah, Rab was actively working on it with him. Uh a Haim Kalim He says and the truth is, is that on Gemara with Tosvos is much simpler. And uh, the people don't really understand uh, the kidushim of the Rishonim of Tosfos, and someone who does understand, he says over here, is someone who's called a cow. So who thinks they understand, it's called the Ka'ah. Why? Because really, to understand how the Rishonim, the Ritva, the Tosvos, the Rashi, came to their conclusion and how they learned the Gemara, you really need to be an expert in the Shloisha Hashrei Midas the Torah You need to understand the 13 characteristics that the Torah is darshan from, which obviously is rooted in the Soda Satora in the Shloisha Hashrei Midas Harachamim. And you really need to be an expert in this thing and really in really order to understand how the Rishonim and the Gemara reached its conclusion. And what I like about this piece is, what the deeper meaning over here, is that it's showing that on every level, whether it's nigla or nister, there's a nigla and nister to that. When it comes to learning primi yis right? On every level, there's a pardes, of shat, remesh, shod, and drush, right? So whether you're learning Zohar, whether you're learning Lekut Maran, there's a shat, remesh, and drush. whether you're learning Halacha, as he's saying, there's a shat, remesh, and rush, or whether you're learning uh, Shas, right? on every level you're learning Rishonim, there's a Pshat, there's a Remiz, there's a level on all of them. And this is what he says, that really, if you really want to understand how the Rishonim came to their conclusion, that if you think you understand, you don't really understand, because you have to be an expert in the Shlisha Shri Mida Shitaran by him. So this is also, again, uh, an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. Now we'll go to the partial connection. Gotta have the parsha connection lines over here. Uh, so the parsha opens, this is an obvious connection. Hopefully I'll be able to make one every week. We'll see, but this is this is a very obvious one. This was a no-brainer. Uh, uh Vaytze Yaakov be'er Sheva ve'yeileh Charana. Yaakov left Be'er Sheva and he went to Charana. So what does Rashi say? Vaytze, lo yatzar lichtov el vayileh Yaakov Charana. It didn't say vayyete. He went out. It's just Vayelach, He like vayyete is like a yitzia. Like he went. Like he exited. You know. It should say vayelech. Like, he like walked out. Right. The LAMA HISKIR YITZIA. So why did it say yitzia? This word yitzia. El MAGID SHE SADIK Minamakum, AMAKUM OSE ROSHIM OSE That when a sadik leaves a place, it, there's an imprint. There's a Rashima. SHA BIZMAN ba'ir, SADIK BA WHO HODE WHO HODE ZIVA WHO HADARA pana hoda ziva That calls man that a tzaddik comes to town. There's a reshima of that kedusha. There's an imprint that that tzaddik makes in that town. So it says, Vayetze to say that Vayetze, he left, and when he left, the reshima, the imprint of that kedusha, also left. So certainly in the beginning of a new Lukutimah Ranshir, a new word mirror, we can say, the tzaddik is in town, and that uh, we're starting this year, and hopefully there should be an imprint of kedusha, uh on all of us from learning uh, from these words, and learning from his avoda, and these stories that we said today. And uh, so, and he says over here, like Yaakov Avinu, that the imprint is there, and certainly it's not just a, uh, something out there, it's a favorite that the tzaddik brings extra level of kedusha, ho whole all these wonderful blessings that come from connecting to the true Sadiqan. Question, go. So anybody's never learned yeah. Would you describe the Sefer as Shkafa? Okay. What exactly so, where do you. Okay, so Lukut is, we were saying this a little bit before, the intro to the intro, that a, uh, it's, it's, there's, it's really a. Uh, Rabbi Nachman said, all my Torahs are hakdamas, they're introductions. Which means, what does that mean, right? Which means that every Torah is supposed to be a, a revelatory lens. Which means once you learn a Torah, it's supposed to be like sunglasses. Whole life becomes that Torah, so it's all encompassing. It's not like a sefer that every Torah is a new topic. It's a new world. There is connection, obviously, and certain ideas do repeat themselves. But the idea of the sefer is that it's 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 so broad, it's so all-encompassing, it's not just the vortloch on the parsha. Like, oh, you learn thing? Oh, nice idea, cute, you know, you shut it. It's something that is a very difficult, safer to learn. There are easier pe- pieces. Uh, Rabbi Nachman said, I have two types of students. I have darimala mala and Dare mata. I have big and I have big rishayim. That's what he said, you know, that there's something in it for everyone, no matter where you are. As he writes in another place, tzibur is Rosh Yoteva, tzaddik, benini, and rishayim. You have to have everyone. You take everyone together, like the chelban of the bad-smelling spice. But the Sefer itself is, it's, it's, a, it's really a Sefer in Panimius, Satora. Torah. And again, there's many, and he, he writes that there's a lot more here to discuss about the Eitzahs and the Chizuk and how we built it on Kisvei and everything like that. But every Torah itself is, he said himself, is, is a hakdama. It's an introduction. It's a really remarkable, remarkable thing. I don't know any other Sefer that's all-encompassing like that. He said, my Torahs, I was, we were talking about this before, he said, my Torahs, it's hard to, for me to be mislavish, my Torahs. It means to even bring it down in words from the higher places and the higher elevated worlds, uh, worlds that he had entered, and he was drawing Torah down from these places it was very, very hard. That's why you find, by a lot of the big tzaddikim, they didn't write their own stuff. Other people wrote it because they couldn't, Moshe had a lisp, right? The Maral explains he couldn't express himself. So every Torah here is supposed to be like sunglasses for life, that you put these on, and now life you start seeing everything through those lenses and I'm hoping as part of this year that that will happen for everyone as well as we as we learn this year. Everyone will we'll start seeing, oh, that's like this. Oh because it's so broad, it's so all encompassing that you start seeing it in all different areas of life. Does that answer your question? <laughs> everyone. So. Any more questions? We have any more questions? Anything? Comments, questions, letter to the editors? Three minutes. That story, uh, uh, not from hard is that the one that Shlomo talks about that uh, where she was diving, when she was giving birth, that give me 30 days? Give me 30 days, yeah. That's the one. That's the said, one. Oh, you should have. That's the forever? Correct. <laughs> That's the one. Okay as Baal Shem Tov said that he said on her should, she should ask to live forever yeah Yeah, but I'm saying I've heard that story from Shlomo yeah, it, a, the concept yeah. of living in the present and having mindfulness and yeah. a social work that's a tool that you probably uh, try to develop for anyone it's, 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 it's been it's been know, it's been said it's been said that a, all the psychology could be found in Rabbi Nachman you know and as I like to call it the uh, psychologist of the soul you right. know Mindful mindfulness, I mean, being were, present. When you uh, were uh, saying uh, thing, uh, uh, take it more uh, uh, day by day, I was thinking how ahead of this plunge was it? it's, it's unbelievable. I'm not even thinking psychology, but there's so many areas. That, that it is the uh, of the the Yeah, yeah. Just for today. That's a going on. It's
1: just for, just for today, today yeah. yeah. So
0: I quit smoking. I quit forever, I quit for a day. <laughs> you know what they say? I quit every <laughs> night before I go to bed. I just start again <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. I think it's the from the and this is.